There we go. Welcome to The Rock tonight. The Rock is the most exciting place, in my opinion, to be on Saturday night. If you want to experience God, come to The Rock. If you want questions answered about God, come to The Rock. If you want to meet some of the coolest people in the city, come to The Rock. If you want to hear the best band in the city on Saturday night for nothing, come to The Rock. So tell all your friends about The Rock. We're going to an auditorium next week. It has a lot more seats for your friends, and we want to fill it with every 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25-year-old first. And then if there's any room, we'll bring some other people there. <laughs> Singles, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, it is the only church of its kind in the Twin Cities just for single young people. Only one. If you know of another, let me know. A lot of youth groups, only church. Just for single young men and women dealing with the issues that they deal with and meeting a lot of young people your age. Anyway, I'm Mark. I want to talk with you tonight about getting a grip on your life. the title of this series. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever kind of felt like life is just going a little too fast? There are so many decisions to make. Uh, you just don't feel like you can quite get your hands around your life. Anybody ever feel like that? Like kind of going at the speed of light? Well, if you don't, it's going to happen soon enough. If you just graduated recently from high school, you know there's these big questions on your mind. What am I going to do now? What is college going to be like? And as you found out, if you just started your first week, it's a little tougher than you might have anticipated. And it's not quite as easy as high school. Maybe you just got done with college and you're embarking on life, real life. No more dorm food to go to. You got to show up to a boring job every day. Be there at a certain amount of time. You got to figure out how are you going to get there? Am I going to get a car? Am I going to ride the bus? Am I going to walk? Where's it going to be? Who am I going to marry? What's my life going to be? Oh my gosh. It just keeps going, doesn't it? Some of you are wondering that and you're only 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. Wait till you get to be 25, 27, 28 and you're wondering about who you're going to marry. Some of you hope that day never comes. It just might. It just might. And I want to talk with you tonight about five simple elements that you've got to determine and you've got to focus on if you're going to begin to get a handle on your life. Because if you're not careful, this song will become your reality. Things will happen to you in your life you weren't really thinking that serious about. You never thought you might do it and the next thing you know, it ends up being your life story. Life's a little bit different than our dreams. Life holds you responsible for things often that you wish you weren't. Often you wish you could just sort of rewind the tape of your life and think, I just wish I could go back and do this situation over. I wished I hadn't made that decision. I wished I would have thought about this years ago. And now it's on you right now and you haven't really thought about it and you're not ready. You're not ready. I have a few articles that I want to start off by reading to you tonight. This one is about time. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that our life is like a flower that's here today and gone tomorrow. And Minnesota is a good example of that. <clears throat> we get flowers, what, maybe four, five, six months maybe. Then the frost comes, the change of weather comes, the snow comes, and they're gone. And the Bible tells us that our life is the same way. When we're young, it's easy for us to think life is just going to go on like this forever. I'm just always going to be young. 
I'm always going to have my vitality. I'm always going to be strong. I'm always going to have so many options. Next thing you know, you're going to your five-year reunion. Next thing you know, you're done with college. Next thing you know, you're down the aisle. Next thing you know, you're having your first child. Next thing you know, it's 35 and you don't like your job and you don't like life and you wish you would have done things different, but now it's a little tough to do that. And the next thing you know, you're in your 40s and then your 50s and then your 60s and it all happens, trust me, far faster than you ever imagined it was going to. We like to think we have unlimited time. We really don't. Imagine for a moment there's a bank that credits your account each morning with $86,400. It carries over no balance from day to day. Every evening deletes whatever part of the balance you failed to use during the day. What would you do? Draw out every cent, of course. Each of us has such a bank. Its name is time. Every morning it credits you with 86,400 seconds. Every night it writes off as lost. Whatever of this you have failed to invest <clears throat> to good purpose. It carries no balance. It allows no overdraft. Each day it opens a new account for you. Each night it burns the remains of the day. If you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. There's no going back. There's no drawing against the tomorrow. You must live in the present on today's deposits. Invest it so as to get from it the most in health, happiness, and success. The clock is running most and make most of the day. To realize the value of one year, ask a student who failed a grade. To realize the value of one month, ask a mother who gave birth to a premature baby. To realize the value of a week, ask the editor of a weekly newspaper. To realize the value of one hour, ask the lovers who are waiting to meet. To realize the value of one minute, ask a person who missed the train. To realize the value of one second, ask a person who just avoided an accident. To realize the value of a one millisecond, ask the person who won a silver medal in the Olympics. <clears throat> treasure every moment you have and treasure it more. Because tomorrow you cannot carry in to today the wasted time of yesterday. Remember that time waits for no one. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Now, you know those words are nice and they're sweet and they're poetic, but the bottom line is that time is your most valuable possession. It's the most valuable commodity you have. And every day... You have choices to make. You have dreams that can be realized. You have plans that can come to fruition. But if you have no long-range vision, future idea of where you're going with your life, trust me, you're going to squander your life and you're going to pay for it. It's going to hurt. I've talked with, as I've told you before, I pastor here at this church and also Evergreen, and I've been doing it now for almost 15 years. And I have counseled personally and over the telephone with thousands of people, young and old, married and single. And I can't tell you how many people have said to me, Mark, I wished I knew now. I wished I would have thought about these things now before I married this person because I cannot change that other person. I wished I had the values now. I wished I would have put in place in my life the priorities I have now because they would affect my money, my time, my relationships. 
But I'm trapped. I'm trapped because I failed to think about the future and prepare for the future. I have a, an article I took out of the paper. I, I clip articles. Some people clip coupons. I clip articles. Maybe one day I'll have a research team of my own that can do all this for me. But for now, I have to do it myself. This is called Living in the Accelerated Lane and Loving It. It's from the USA Today, Monday, September 13, 1999. Life goes faster and gets more action-packed, but a day still has just 24 hours. How we spend them, at least according to a variety of researches, cited in faster the acceleration of just about everything. This is, according to research, how the average individual spends their day. Now, because I'm speaking to mostly singles here tonight, some of these things will not apply to you. We'll apply them to some other areas of your life. Seven hours and 18 minutes of sleep. Six hours working if you're employed. By the way, most people think they work eight, but they figured the average person works six in real hours. Four hours doing housework or other types of cleaning. Three hours watching TV, although many surveys say today the average cable household, which of course is not all, all homes, so that would lower the average. But the average home that has cable is 62 hours a week. The average person spends in front of the television. One hour and 26 minutes online, if we're online computer users. One hour eating when you combine it all of actual eating time. 52 minutes on the phone. Uh, now that we have cell phones, that might be more for some of you. 41 minutes reading magazines and newspapers. 29 minutes visiting other people. If you're a parent, 31 minutes caring for children, 16 minutes searching for lost objects, 16 minutes reading books, 7 minutes caring for pets, and a grand total of 4 minutes having sex. The same amount the government says you spend filling out government forms. Just in case you had, just in case you're single and you have any disillusionment about what really happens in marriage, 4 minutes. <laughs> now I want you to know, Mine's twice that average because we're an exceptional couple. <laughs> Even if it was, that would be the big eight minutes a day, right? Okay. It's a little ironic. Now, I'm going to assume that because you're single, you have a big zero in the having sex column. But I'll talk about that some other time. Don't bother to do the math, says author James Click. It will just prove what we all know. There aren't enough hours in a day. Now, this is true, by the way. This is not just some made-up funny thing. This is how it is. One time, I took my calculator. I like playing with calculators. It's about the only high-tech thing I know how to use. And that's just the basic one, not the square root kind, the slight rule kind, the kind you use in calculus and physics and all that other kind of stuff. I, I know the words. That's about it. So I take my calculator sometimes, I like to figure out how much mile a gallon I got that time. I like to figure out, you know, how long did it take me to go on this trip? Uh, and I like, how, how many hours, miles per hour was I really going when I figure in all the rest stops? So I carry a calculator with me all the time. One day I thought to myself, you know, this was a number of years ago, about 15 years ago, I thought, you know, I've never really sat down with a calculator and thought about my life. So I just kind of jotted on a piece of paper how much time I thought I spent each day doing the things that were of value to me and other people that I knew. And if you don't know, this is 168 hours in every week. 
And so you take that 168 hours and you figure out what you do with those hours. So you figure if you sleep an average eight, then you figure out how much time you sleep, how much time you eat, how much time you school, how much time you commute, how much time you take a shower, how much time you clean up, how much time you do your exercise routines. You know, each of it might be a little different, but I would encourage you to do this sometime because you'd be shocked, absolutely shocked, if you pretended for a moment that you're going to live till you're 70 and you're 20 now, figure out where the next 50 years are going to go. And what you do is after you figure out what you do per week, then, of course, you take it times a month and times a year. And then you, you take all those hour totals and you divide them by 24 because that equals a day. And you figure out how many days and then you take those days by 365. You'd be amazed how many years you sleep in bed. You'd be amazed how many years you spend eating. You'd be amazed how many years you do a whole lot of things. And, and, then, and then you step back and you look at your life and you think, what do I really want from my life? Since you know what's interesting, time is the great equalizer. We've all been given the same by God. 24 every day. And of course, if you don't realize this by now, you're going to. The best things in life, money can't buy. The best things in life really are free. But if you don't set your priorities right, if you don't live by the right set of priorities and set the right goals based on the right values, you'd be like a little dog. Take his tail around for the next 20, 30 years of your life <clears throat> till one day it dawns on you, I wasted my life. I'm not really happy. I didn't really get the most out of my life and now it's too late. I was fortunate enough to have someone share these kinds of things with me in a Bible study of all places when I was a very young person, 19 years old. And I began to think about my life and I began to think about what I wanted from my life. What did I really want to accomplish? What was really important in my life? Trust me, what was really important at that age in my life changed as I began to think about it during that week. What used to be really important to me was tangible, physical things. Not so much eternal things. Oh, I wanted to travel. I, I wanted a log cabin really bad. I wanted to live in the mountains. I wanted to become a well-known, famous, like Bob Dylan type of person. Sort of a singer, secular prophet. I wanted to have slept with a lot of women. Those are the kind of things that were on my mind, 19. And then, and then God intervened in my life. God sort of crashed my party in a really good way. And I committed my life to God, and then I started thinking, now, what, a, what about my life? Now, what should my life be about? Now, and I can honestly tell you, over the last 25 years, I've never gotten off the railroad tracks. I've, I've set my mind. I know exactly where it is I'm going, exactly what it is I'm trying to accomplish. And a lot of the things I set out to accomplish have been accomplished. There's a lot more that have yet to be done. But I have. I can honestly say to you, I have no regrets. None whatsoever. I don't look back over my life the last 25 years and think, oh, I wished I should have taken that right turn instead of that left one. I should have done this. I should have done that. But the reason I can say that is not because I'm the kind of guy who thinks, ah, oh, you know, what will be, will be. You just got to live with whatever decision you make. Oh, no. It's because I thought through the decisions I made before I made them. And I talked to others about them. And I listened to other godly individuals in my life 
who are speaking to my heart and I listened to God and I listened to other wise people around me so that I didn't make the wrong decisions. So the first thing you have to grasp is that life is short. You've got to bring your life into focus. First thing you've got to do and you've got to grasp, my life is very short. Second thing you've got to decide is what do you want the end result of your life to be? I want you sometime this week, you don't have to do it, but if you want to have an effective life, I would encourage you to do this. I want you to go somewhere, sit by a river. we got a lot of pretty places in the city. Maybe you, you think best in your room. And I want you to write on a piece of paper. What do I want said about me at my funeral? And what do I want others to remember me for? What do I want to have been known for? Because, trust me, you're going to be remembered for something. What do you want your life to be about? When it's all said and done. Would you have wanted to be a great athlete? See, you know, we have to think about the grander questions. The grander question is, what contribution, what lasting contribution will I have made to this planet, to the people around me? Or do you want to be known as, you know, the great partier? You know that person had the most manicured lawn you've ever seen in your life. Man, that person, they were just so fit all the time. They were in such great shape. Man, that person, you know, they were married five times. Well, that person, you know, they sure could drink. That person was real smart. What is it? What is it that you are going to do with your life that really matters? What are the things? And I would list them on a piece of paper. And I would go back over them in a, for a week after and ask yourself again, is this really what I want? And nail it down. Because you see, when you determine those things, then it determines, it helps you figure out the tough decisions that you're going to make. And you've got a lot of very important decisions ahead of you. There are five things that at the end of my life, I want to have been known for. I want to have succeeded in. I want to be a great lover of God. I want to have been a great lover of my wife, a great husband. I would have wanted to have been a great father and gone on to have been a great grandfather. I want to be a great lover of people. I've had much to learn in that. I have much more to learn in it. And lastly, in all things, I would have wanted to know known as a servant. Well, Jesus said the greatest among you would be the servant. The servant. Think about for a moment the life of Christ. Who do you think's had a greater impact on the world? Michael Jordan or Jesus Christ? We live in a day where almost every corner of the world, every person in the world has heard of Michael Jordan. I promise you, young person, I promise you, that someday his name will be no more remembered than Pistol Pete Maravich, who was one of the greatest basketball players that ever played. Lived his life in the fast lane and then came to Christ. Christ turned his life around. One day you won't remember who Brett Favre is. Just like many don't remember unless it's regularly brought up on TV who Jim Thorpe was. You won't remember their name. But there's not a day that goes by that somebody isn't talking about Jesus Christ. 
Not a day that goes by that some life hasn't been impacted by Billy Graham. Not a day that goes by that someone doesn't remember King Solomon, David, Paul, Esther, Phoebe. Not a day goes by that some life isn't touched. That some life isn't touched. And when it's all said and done, what will all of the records mean? What have they contributed? Have you ever asked yourself for a moment? And I like Michael Jordan. I think he's a wonderful man. But what difference does it make putting a ball through a basket? Do I feel better because of it? Has my life become more meaningful? Because I want to be like Mike. As Mike lets me know that the secret is the shoes that he wears and the Gatorade that he drinks. That ain't going to make me any more like Mike. Have you ever thought about the commercials that you watch? Have you ever really, I mean, taken your brain back off the shelf, put it in your head, and thought for a minute, just what is this culture trying to do to me? I was watching the other day, and I, I have to admit, there, there's one problem I have today, and please don't hate me for this. We all have different preferences, but I just cannot stand hip-hop. I just, I cannot deal with it. I can't deal with the clothes. I, I can't deal with, I mean, it's just the slang, the language, it's just so illiterate. If I can just be frank with you. It's just so illiterate. And so I'm watching this news program the other day, and they got this kid, okay? They got this kid who, um, I'm not going to tell you much about him, but they got this kid who's, you know, getting into trouble, getting into trouble. All he ever wanted to do was sneak out at night. He did sneak out at night and spray graffiti all over the city. And then he got on television. He bragged about it. Well, finally, they arrested him. He talked about how it was art. He bragged about it. And he was, you know, connected to the hip-hop culture. So what he wanted to do was he wanted to design hip-hop clothes. And he used to design his own clothes, design his own clothes. So one day, he's 20 years old. He's in an elevator. And he runs into this guy who heads up a lot of rap bands and is real connected with the culture. And so he says, you need to call me. This kid says him. So the guy calls him. Today he's 22 years old and he's designing hip-hop clothes. And I'm thinking to myself, so what? Or, and I, we could then go with hip-hop. We could go with kid rock. We could go with limp idiot biscuit. We could, you know... And the guy is a limp biscuit, you know. He's 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 about a he's about a dollar short of a brain. I hate to tell you the truth, but it's the truth. And I'm thinking to myself, so what? One day we won't even remember you lived. I could name off bands that when I was young they were everything, and you wouldn't even know their name. And who even remembers? Hootie and the Blowfish anymore. <laughs> Who even remembers that new kids on the block that you all liked and then hated were no different than the Backstreet Boys and they were just as good looking. And everybody hated them. Now they hate them. Remember Vanilla Ice? Oh, I wonder where Eminem got all his ideas. The little white blonde rapper. 
Do you ever stop and think about that? See, these are the deeper things of life, young person. These are the deeper things in life. Now, some music I really like, some I don't. It comes down to taste, but the bottom line is, what does it matter? In the grander scheme of life, what does it matter? And have you ever studied their individual lives? One of my favorite programs, but I only get to see it when I'm traveling, is behind the scenes, VH1, when they talk about the artist. Not the artist, not Prince Baby, but, you know, artist. Have you ever watched the program? Have you ever seen what guys like Eddie Van Halen and some of these people, how they treat women, how they treat people? They're scum. And I don't say, I mean the way they treat other people, the lack of dignity, the cruelty, the brutality, the way they use women. They're scum. Yet they'll walk on a stage and they'll fill an auditorium with young people who will wave their hands almost like a god is on the stage without even a thought. What do they matter in the grander scheme of things? They don't matter at all. Don't get caught up, young person. There are a lot of neat things in the culture, but don't let the culture in culture you so that you miss out on the real important things of your life. Decide what you want now. Don't let life or someone else decide for you what you're going to turn out to be. You decide. Use your brain. Engage your brain. Engage your spirit. Get in touch with God. Get in touch with the spiritual you. And figure out, hey, what's really important in my life? Because the last thing you want to have happen, and I've talked with many 40, 50-year-olds, crying, male and female, said, Mark... I've been climbing the ladder only to realize today my ladder's been against the wrong wall. It was all a waste. Some time ago, about a year and a half ago, I met a man, probably one of the coolest, steadiest looking guys I've personally ever met, but he's kind of got that rough kind of Marlboro man kind of a look. Drives a Jaguar, pulled into the church parking lot in a Jaguar, Got out of his car, he's got that cool hair. He's got the clothes. Lives in one of the most expensive houses I've ever been in, on one of the coolest lakes in the city. One day he came up to me and said, I'd like to have lunch with you sometime, Mark. He started crying. This guy makes literally five, $600,000 a year. He said to me, Mark, I'd give anything to have what you have. He said, I'm 43 years old. I have lots of women. I got no home. I don't know anything about commitment. I got stuff money can buy. I go home to a giant empty house all by myself. My life is meaningless. My life is empty. There was another man named Chuck Colson. Some of you may not know him, but he was Richard Nixon's hatchet man. Had lots of power. Had access to the most powerful person in the world ended up in jail. God changed his life. Let me tell you something. The last 25 years, he's been doing something with his life that really matters. What are you going to do with your life? I want you to think about it. Okay? I want you to think about it. You may think I'm just some old guy who's saying things about the culture like anyone else. I'm not. I live in the culture. I like all types of different music, but I just don't buy in to the scale. 
It's just trying to scam you of your time and your money and trying to shape your values with theirs. And what's really ironic is if you evaluate the people who are singing the songs with all those messages, their lives are trash. Third, take responsibility for your life. You're in charge. Be assertive and make it happen in your health, in your finances, in your relationships, and the changes you want to make. You are, you are the most powerful person besides God in your life. No matter what kind of background you have or what upbringing you had, what you want to decide is not what you were, not what the past was, but what do I want to become? And where am I going? And how am I going to get there? And then you begin making decisions today to do that. You know, when I was a young person, I didn't grow up with a lot of wealth. My family didn't have a lot of wealth. I didn't learn a lot about money. I didn't have much education. Started out in life uh, in debt. I got married in debt. The first seven and a half, eight years, I was in debt. I made no more than $14,000. The first seven years we were married, the first three, I made five. Gross, that was it. The whole family. I had three children with no insurance of any kind. I paid the hospital off $20 a month for a long time. I never allowed that to discourage me. I read God's Word. I understood biblical principles about finances. Today, if I wanted to, I don't want to. I could make a payment, $500 a month, on a Range Rover, if I wanted to. My credit rating is impeccable. I could have the spare 500 to make the payment. I won't. Do you know why? It doesn't fit into the greater life scheme of what's important to Mark. I don't need to impress anyone. I would rather put the money in a place that could be used for those I love, for those around me. But I never allowed the past to sway me from where I was going. Because I decided as a young person, this is where I'm going. I'm going to debt-free land. I'm going to a place where I become my own credit card. I'm going to a place of wise stewardship. Instead of writing a $500 check for the Range Rover, I write a $500 check to The Rock every month. Oh yeah, guess what? Me and Greg tied to the church where we pastor. Now, I'm a father of four children. There's a lot I could do with God. And God has always been faithful to Mark. He has always provided every single thing that Kathy and I have ever needed with four kids. And I want to tell you, that's a big family by most standards. Today, the average is 1.83 children. I don't know how they get that, but maybe with all the brokenness, they end up dividing all the kids. I don't know. Take responsibility on person number four. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Get rid of everything that doesn't accomplish your priorities. There, I'm sure there's someone in the world who's more focused than I am, but you would be hard-pressed to find them, at least in this vicinity. I do not play games. I don't have time for games. I am focused on one primary thing, 
and that is accomplishing the five things that I set out to, reaching people for Christ, loving people, and tending my spiritual life. Because you see what? God's power in my life doesn't just stay there automatic. I have to tend my life. And so much of my life is about staying spiritually strong, staying spiritually sharp, staying humble, walking with God so I can be useful to God because you know what? God loves me, and I know that, and that will never change. But if I decide to get selfish, and I decide to throw in the towel, God would have no problem taking Mark, lifting him up, and putting you on the shelf, Mark. There's someone else I'm going to use. And I'm not about to let that happen. You see, unlike athletics, when men get older and they decide, I don't want to play anymore, I think I'll just live off my investments or whatever. In the spiritual realm, I want to be a contender for the championship every day for the rest of my life. I find great inspiration in watching a man like Billy Graham or others like him stand behind a podium shaking his wife, Ruth Graham, who's faithfully held down the fort for her husband, done what she needed to do. He's done what they needed to be faithful to God. She recently broke her hip. Sometimes she can barely walk, but they've been faithful to God. Will that be said of you when you're 80? They were faithful to God. Because you know if you're faithful to anything else besides God and the principles of God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't last. You'll have nothing to show for it. Imagine for a moment if every month for the rest of your life you faithfully set aside $100 in a fund, $100, $100, $100. You were so excited because when you were 52, your plan was to retire. I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. 51 and a half, you call up the company that you invested this in. Just wanted to know what it's amounted to now. Where is it? They tell you, I hate to tell you this, but it's gone. It's all gone. What would you do? How would you feel emotionally? Because, young person, let me tell you something. If you live your life any other way than to be faithful to God and to the principles of God, you're going to end up being 55, 60, 65. And all you're going to have in your hand is a pile of ashes. I'm not saying you have to become a traveling evangelist like Billy Graham. You could become a lawyer. You could become a doctor. You become a homemaker. You become a father. You become a janitor. You become a welder. You become a teacher. But in all those things, was I faithful to God? Was I faithful to the eternal things, the things that really mattered? Ask yourself those questions because you are a spiritual being first, a physical being second. The spiritual is first. Five. Avoid bad choices. They may severely entangle your life and steal away your time and sabotage your priorities and goals. I know so many young people. I'll talk to them and, oh, Mark, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. I'll say, well, let's talk about your life. I'm just so busy. Listen, all we have to do is step back and start asking the question, what are your priorities And does your schedule reflect a commitment to your priorities? See, personally, my life, that doesn't mean in your life. When I say this statement, that doesn't mean your life. My life, I just don't have time for softball league three times a night in the summer. I just don't. I'm not even tempted by it. I don't have time to go mountain bike three or four times a week. In my situation today, I don't have that. 
Now, is it a great relationship building tool? You better believe it. So I think it's a very viable thing to do with your time. But make sure you know the reason for which you're doing it. Otherwise, you're involved in this, you're involved in that. Some of you are in school right now. Listen, don't waste your money. Maybe it's your parents' money. Maybe you're getting it free, which is a gift. Don't squander it. Don't throw your freshman and sophomore year away. Don't throw your junior and senior away. Stay focused. Keep your nose in there. Hang in there. Because someday it's going to be over and done with. I always tell my children, listen, you read that book, you studying that program, my son's studying Flash uh, at his job, he's getting paid to do it. I said, listen, every day you do that, it's an investment in you and your future son. It's an investment in you and your future wife and your kids. Every day, make yourself more valuable. Read, expand your mind, develop yourself. You'll be rewarded for it. Don't let anybody else tell you you won't. You will be. And you will not be rewarded for your laziness. Know what you're doing. Hang in there. Yes, there's time for activities. Yes, there's time for relationships. But be cautious. Make sure they have a purpose. Maybe a young person here in... And I'll close on this thought. You really want to make your life count for God. One of the most important decisions in your life is what you do with the opposite sex. Don't blow it. Do not blow it. Some of you really want God to use you. You've made some decisions and all of a sudden this lady comes into the picture or this guy comes into the picture. And the next thing you know it, they're getting all your time. All your time. You wanted to be a small group leader. You wanted to do this. You wanted to do that. All of a sudden, oh, all of a sudden, oh, I got to go see him. I'm driving here. I'm driving there. Nothing wrong with having a relationship. But make sure you keep everything else in your life balanced. What are your priorities, young person? Write them down. Get a handle on what you want your life to be. In this relationship I was just speaking of, the other thing you need to make sure of is do they share the same values that I have? Here's how you know. If they share the same values... They will automatically draw you closer to God and the things of God. They will automatically draw you. Your relationship will draw you closer to God and closer to the activities of God. Prayer, the Bible, truth, other people who love God. But if that person is drawing you away from God, towards sexual things, towards material things, towards games and distracting you from the activities of God, I don't think it takes a genius to tell you right now, you're in a bad relationship. You're compromising. What was the song about tonight, Jeremy, saying? It's about compromising. We never thought we'd compromise. Many of you here think, I'll never compromise. You be very careful. Very careful, the Bible says, when you think you stand, lest you fall. It is so easy. To compromise. It's so easy to sell yourself short of your priorities and your values and your goals. Think about where you're going. You're not too young to think about where you're going and what you want your life to be. And then let me tell you something. You keep coming to the rock because we'll help you get there. That's a big part of what the rock's about. Helping you hold on to what's most important. Because you're going to need the buddy system. You're going to need friends around you. Just like 
friends, the wrong kind, draw you away from the values that you have. Many of you can look back in your life and go, yeah, first time I ever smoked, first time I ever drank, first time I ever tied drugs, it was around friends. Most of you didn't go out, buy a six-pack, go home, sit in your own room, and go, well, I'm going to try drinking. Hmm. Boy, it's pretty good. You didn't go buy a pack of cigarettes, go home, go, well, okay, no one's around. <sighs> Start hacking away. Everybody does the first time, because that's what it does to you. You were with people. You were with people. And they will drag you down the river. Now, the same is true only in the opposite direction. You start experiencing God almost every time with other people. You follow God with other people. You learn about God with other people. Your safety in numbers because you, all of us in this room, there's all these things, temptiness, and stirring in us those youthful passions. Oh, but I want, oh, but I want. And we have friends here to help you do the things that are most important and that you want to do. Most of you want to do them. You need help to do them. That's what the rock's about. To help you find the path, walk the path, stay on the path. I tell you what, you're going to be one happy person. Listen, if you ever want to talk to me, talk about happiness, feel free to give Greg or I a call anytime. I would gladly, you could ask us any question. There's no question taboo. You want to know about marriage? You want to know about sex? You want to know what it's like when you're 44? You can ask when he's 34. You can ask us the questions. What is it like to have children? What is it like to have a job? What is it like to... What is, what is life like? Call us. That's what we're here for. Next week, next week what we're going to talk about is getting a handle now and getting the things you're going to need to do, what things we need to do to make these things a reality. That's what we'll talk about next week. How now do you make these things a reality? You've decided a little bit what you want. How does it become a reality? We'll get into that next week. Let's pray.